at the very edge of Federation space, the USS Endeavor, the first ship of her class, waits to venture into an area of uncharted space called the Maelstrom, where subspace anomalies make it impossible for conventional warp drives to function effectively. But Endeavor is no normal Starfleet vessel. We zoom in onto the bridge where the senior staff is all on hand for the first test run of the ship's transwarp tunneler. So you're all on the bridge. Multiple crew members, various extras call out reports that different systems and parts of the ship are ready to commence the first activation of the transwarp tunneling device. As our camera focuses on our captain, what do we see? The captain stands at uh, five foot ten, and she is a thin woman with uh, sharply pointed ears, bearing two seven two, mark thirty four, full ahead. Course laid in, sir," says the helmsman as Endeavor's impulse engines start to power up. Next to the captain, the ship's first officer. Would you be standing or sitting? Do you think? No, Rasm is definitely standing at this point in time. He's uh, uh, standing over close to where he can see the helm. Commander Rasm Mozafar is approximately six foot tall, green-skinned, well-muscled, with uh, dark black hair slicked back with the sides of his head shaved uh, smooth. He stands over the helm, looking down, as the helmsman plots in the course. All right, on the helm display, he would be able to see that the ship is only a few light years away from basically the line where uh, no Starfleet ship has been out further under its own power. Obviously, like the Voyager has been out further and stuff like that, special, special situations. Nearby, at Tactical, a severe-looking Vulcan is checking some you know, last diagnostics on the weapons and so forth, and turns to his uh, assistant. Ensign, if you would please run one last diagnostic on the targeting sensors, just to be sure. Yes, yes, sir. If, if we take three and a half seconds back to when the captain said full ahead, there was a moment where you could see a a short, strong-looking individual and you wouldn't anticipate it like she looks kind of not stocky but like she thick and there was the moment where she literally brought her hands together once as if she wanted to clap and had a silly grin on her face but immediately felt that everybody on the bridge was like what are you <laughs> doing and looked at her boss essentially the Vulcan Nestor and was like never mind so as he gives her the next 80,000 orders she's going to get, she's going to do it with as much seriousness as she possibly can. As she sets about doing that, at a console nearby, a science officer monitors the ship's most important system. So our camera focuses on a gangly woman in a wrinkled skirt and science blue uniform. Her eyes are solid black, as is her wavy and uncombed looking hair. Bony ridges and a blue speckled pattern run down the backs of her arms, legs, and over her forehead. Tachyon emitter is charging. Chronoton field is active. Secondary nacelles are deployed. 
we need to proceed to warp five at least 0.4 light years before we reach the end of the barrier or we'll just completely go adrift in there. Uh, then by all means, let's pick up some speed. Helm continues to accelerate. In addition to Endeavor's standard warp nacelles at the back of the ship, a pair of smaller rotated nacelles extend from the middle of the secondary hull, glowing rather than characteristic Starfleet red, a more, let's say, Delta Quadrant green. Ready to engage warp, Captain. Warp 5, engage. With a brief hum of power, Endeavor launches to warp 5, just as many other Starfleet ships have before her. But, unlike all of those vessels, she is also projecting tachyon particles ahead of her that will create a pathway that other ships can follow. The ship rumbles a little bit, on Lieutenant Guy's screen, a few numbers start to fluctuate, but it's probably well within normal parameters, don't you think? I mean, subspace is tearing just the way we want to. No problems <laughs> there. <laughs> really hope this works. Uh, she says, even as she is grinning from ear to ear. <laughs> Captain, in two minutes and 12 seconds, we are going to enter unexplored space be farther out than any other Federation vessel before us. Two minutes, you said? Aye, sir. Maybe that'll be the name of the uh, the next batch that I brew. Does anybody else on the bridge know what you're talking about? Uh, I think the captain uh, casts a side glance over to the science officer and shares a brief smile. Kai smiles back, although she's been grinning this entire time, so it's a little hard to tell specifically directed. Well, make it a good one. Commander, you might want to have a seat for this, because this is going to become, or because this ride is going to become a whole lot bumpier in a second. Well, I was just getting ready to say, everything looks very nominal at this point, so... I mean, we're just punching a hole through subspace. The captain takes a seat. <laughs> the commander walks over and takes his seat. Does Endeavor's Bridge have a, a dedicated exo seat, do you think, Captain? <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> on the spot, are you gonna are you gonna throw Brad to the side or not? Takes his seat on the floor. <laughs> There's a chair, but it is uh, decidedly further from the captain's chair than probably most ships would uh would have at this point. <laughs> It's just a folded aluminum chair off. The- <laughs> it's a settee. Very nice. Yeah. yeah, I would say it's decidedly back farther away <laughs> from the captain's chair. With about 75 seconds left and counting at Instant Everly's security console, there's a, there's a minor blip on the ship's uh, external collision sensors, but nothing, nothing big. Perhaps just a micrometeorite or something that skipped past the main deflector. Nothing to... Everything looks fine, uh, Lieutenant. Glad to hear it. Dang, this red light just won't go away, and Kai smacks the side of her console. I believe she may have been addressing me, Lieutenant Kai, says uh, the Vulcan lieutenant in charge of security. Oh, sorry. He also casts a disparaging glance at your um, methodology, let's say. (laughs) (laughs) The chronometer above the view screen counts down and many of the crew hold a breath briefly because for some of them this is you know going to be a a historic moment they've often served on ships that stayed pretty well within explored territory 
along the Federation's borders and venturing out just a little bit here and there. Starfleet's been through a lot over the years. What with the, the Dominion War and the Synth attack and the Romulan crisis and any number of other things. But now, once again, a Starfleet ship is about to boldly go where no one has gone before. The transwarp tunneler at the front of the ship's saucer section emits a focused tachyon burst. And the Endeavor begins to leave a functional transwarp conduit in her wake. As that chronometer hits zero and we're passing through the maelstrom, uh, Kaidus reports, subspace field is holding. Nothing but open road ahead of us, Captain. I'm not worried about the road ahead, Kai. It's turning around and getting back that's on my mind. Uh, Captain, do you have any words of uh, inspiration for the crew on this monumental occasion? You always like to put me on the spot, Mozafar. How about this? The Federation may have fumbled a few steps, but ours will be the first to get us back on track. Welcome to Endeavor Through the Maelstrom. We are a Star Trek Adventures actual play following the deep space mission of the USS Endeavor as it charts a new region of space several decades after the events of Star Trek Picard. I'm Brandon, your GM for this mission. This is Nicole, and I'll be playing Captain Varel. I'm Brad, and I play Commander Razum Mozafar. Hi everybody, I'm Christine, and I will be playing Lieutenant Kai. My name's Leah, and I'm playing Ensign Katarina Everly. The Sinking Star, Part 1 Sometime later, Endeavor drops out of warp, the transwarp tunneler disengaging as the secondary nacelles tuck back against the secondary hull. The ship has just completed the first uh, relatively short transwarp conduit, which soon will um, be subject to like testing and make sure it's stable before Endeavor goes further on on its mission. But that means that the crew has a little while of diagnostics and scanning the conduit and other stuff to make sure what they just did is okay and not going to break. Not to mention repairs and adjustments to those systems that we just uh, tested in an extreme scenario. Absolutely. At a glance, all systems are Operating within relatively normal parameters, though, there are certainly things that may be 
could stand to be tweaked. Captain, that bit's done. What are your orders? Where we stopped, this was like a, a planned area. We know what's currently surrounding us. You're just in a point in space within the region of space called the Maelstrom. But it was a planned, it was Starfleet like meticulously charted the first couple legs of Endeavor's trip. Mm-hmm. But you are in space that hasn't really been explored because getting here via normal warp without the uh, transwarp device would be difficult, if not impossible. Okay. She'll look around and everybody seems to be busy. Probably all the diagnostic teams are definitely having their hands full. What's the commander doing right now? Commander Mozafar is going over the reports with the uh, different stations, checking to see what uh, the current status is of the ship, seeing what uh, needs to be corrected. Possibly had talked to Kai a little bit earlier and congratulated uh, Lieutenant Kai on the successful transport. But uh, at this point in time, mostly just going over some reports, preparing a captain's briefing. Then I'm going to give use some time to work on that. I think she will um, t- just like go over to Kai and lay a hand on her shoulder for a second. Be like, meet me in my ready room for a moment. I captain. And uh, she'll uh, go ahead and stand up from her station, saving the or the report from the sensors that she had been reviewing. And we'll follow uh, Captain Varel off the bridge into the ready room. Uh, once the door is shut, uh, you can see the captain's like tension eases a little bit. And she goes, Kai, my desk has not been working. I need you to take a look at it. Now? Well, better now than later. I can't spare anybody else. I have, I have <laughs> 27 gigaquads of data sitting at my station right now. I have a tunneler in need of <laughs> in, in need of refitting so we can do this again. And you want me to be IT? It only takes you a few moments, please. Uh, I think there's something wrong with the hollow emitters. The, the entire screen just went blank. If I ever had any doubts that the captaincy went to your head, they're gone in this moment. And I'll I'll go and reach over and uh, see if I can't uh, can't fix the captain's um, computer. <laughs> so hey, you know what? This is a good chance for a test. A test. Our first test. So the way that tests in Star Trek Adventures work is I will an attribute and a discipline that the test pertains to. Attributes are like characters' mental and physical abilities in a general sense, and disciplines are, in this case, different sort of departments and areas of duty that cover broad things. So in this case, I'm going to say it's a reason engineering. Okay. So then what Christine does with those is she adds those two numbers together. So my reason is a 12. My engineering is a 4. So together, I have a target number of 16. And she will roll two 20-sided dice, and each die that rolls lower, uh, equal to or lower, then 16 in this case is a success. I'm going to call this difficulty one. So you only need to get one success to successfully fix the captain's uh, desk. <laughs> okay. I'm going to introduce a new mechanic right away. That's fine. Which is Brandon. I'm going to give you a point of threat 
to Great. let me roll three d20s because Kai is in a hurry here. She wants to quickly fix this and get back to uh, all of her data because there's a lot to go through and it's exciting work. There's some number of gigawatts, as I recall. Uh, 27 mm. gigawatts, as point of fact. I don't know how many gigawatts that is in relation to things, but it sure was the first number I thought of. I mean, the reason they're gigaquads is so that they're a made-up thing and they can just kind of be ambiguously better than today's computing. Okay, on my 3d20s, I rolled an 11, an 11, and a 9. That's three successes. Kai inspects the computer and pretty quickly realizes that one of the emitters has become um, unplugged. (laughs) It's probably more subtle than that because the captain could probably figure out to plug it in again, but... It's one of those situations where, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's it's just not, it's not emitting. It's not doing its thing. And we see Kai, like, pop it out of its socket, look at it a little bit, adjust a few of the wires on it to, like, reestablish the connection, screws it back in, and uh, it begins to display the, the desk read out again. I was really hoping you went with blowing it like an old Nintendo cartridge, but that's fine. Oh, I'm, sure, I'm sure I'll do that for something. Now, Christine, because you got more successes than you need, uh, in this case, you got three successes, you only needed one, so you have two extra successes, you gain two points of what's called momentum. Momentum is a player resource that can be used to do things like get extra dice on rolls and try not to die and things like that. And I will bank those two for now. (laughs) So there's two momentum in the pool. Will there be anything else, Verity? Okay. I know I talked to you about finding the right catchphrase, but when I got there, everything <laughs> just completely fled my mind. Did that sound too cliche, Kai? I mean, it's pretty basic. Like, don't all the captains say engage? <sighs> right, you- but, you know, you're, you're overthinking it. You just have to say the first thing that pops into your head. Okay, maybe not the first thing, but like, the second or third thought. You can't go too deep down that uh that bunny cornhole. <laughs> Alright, get back to work. <laughs> There's an obvious like light concern that goes across uh Captain Varel's face. Clearly the uh Romulan heritage is much more obvious than anybody who would mistakenly think of her as a Vulcan. Kai moves over to the door, pauses for a moment looks back and says try not to worry so much we've done good today and I think this is going to be the first day in a long line of good days to come and then after Kai leaves and the the door to the ready room shuts Verity just sort of sighs and says well I guess I wouldn't be so worried if they weren't documenting every word I said and then she follows back out to the bridge Uh, I'll say just after the captain and Lieutenant Kai excuse themselves into the captain's ready room, uh, Lieutenant Tarek, the security chief, uh, looks over to Ensign Everly and says, Well done, Ensign. Oh, th- uh, thank you, Lieutenant. Uh, it's it's an actual honor just to be on this bridge right now, so I, I'm here for whatever you need. Obviously, I'm here for whatever you need, but um, mm-hmm, thank, thank you. He raises his eyebrow at you. 
Mm-hmm. I have inspections of the torpedoes to complete. Oh, excellent. Did you need me to go with you, or...? No, Ensign. Just please, you have the security station for now. Okay. Okay. Yes. Yes, sir. I will remain here. And, like, laser focus, like, Mm -hmm. staring into nothing ahead, because there's nothing ahead, but, like, prepared. The big big forward window is just stars. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just in case something happens in the stars. Yeah, who knows? Lieutenant Tark turns on his heel and goes into the turbo lift. No sooner has the turbo lift kind of whooshed down towards uh, torpedo control, the security console starts to beep. And it's an audible beep, the kind of beep that both Instant Everly and Commander Mozafar would note as possibly an important beep. Uh, c- Commander, Commander, there's a... I'm going to push the... What is it button that exists on this panel? And the tooltip pops up and says, I'm Clippy. It looks like you're trying to check on a security alert. Would that actually be like an emergency hologram in this day and age? (laughs) (laughs) It's like an unauthorized access alert in Cargo Bay 2. Commander Mozafar, it's saying that there is unauthorized access right now in in Cargo Bay 2. Rasm walks up behind Ensign Everly and looks over her shoulder. What type of... uh... Occurrence is this again, you say? Unauthorized occurrence? It's an unauthorized occurrence, sir. What do you think we should do, Ensign? Uh, would you like me to go check it out, sir? Uh, if you left at this point in time, Ensign, who would man your position here? Of course. I- apologies, sir. Uh, jitters after all that transwarping. Uh, no, sir. You're correct. I should not go check it out. So you should? I should. Dispatch. Dispatch someone else from security to go check on it. <laughs> Correct. Ensign. I push the button. That makes me talk to someone else in security. And I do the thing. <laughs> Crewman Jones, go check out the cargo. <laughs> you signal a security team to check out the cargo bay. Let's say that'll be. So, so we get a roll here, too. Ooh. Something security. I'm going to say this probably ought to be like a control security. On the basis that maybe you're... It's organization, it's management, yeah. it's... Needing to be precise and follow protocols and things like that. And I'll say it's just difficulty one, so you only need to get one success. And I roll... 2d20 by default. 2d20, awesome. This is where the podcast listening audience learns that I can't do math! <laughs> Eight and four, twelve. So ah, twelve or less. Five and a ten, baby. All right. Excellent. That is two successes, so... Fortunately, uh, Ensign Everly paid a great deal of attention in standard security protocol training and knows exactly what the Starfleet codes say about what kind and size of force should be dispatched to this kind of thing and signals a few of the security officers elsewhere on the ship to go check things out. Since you had an extra success, uh, that's one more momentum into the pool. That's three momentum total. Um, and the security team says they'll report back to you. Well done, Ensign. Keep me apprised of the situation. And just relax a little bit. Your training will come into play very quickly if you just relax and follow your training. Yes, Commander. Thank you. And and of course, new people, new emotions, getting used to it. It's understandable, Ensign. You'll do well. Just sort of nods and goes back to staring, but not, <laughs> not into space this time, at, the, at yeah. the screen. Make sure. Laser focus. Waiting for that call to come in (laughs) about the cargo bay. A few moments later, as the 
security team signals basically an all clear like nothing nothing out of the ordinary down here maybe we'll do a sensor diagnostic to make sure that the cargo bay's uh, security sensors aren't broken uh, that's about when the ready room door swishes open again and the captain and Kai reemerge. The helmsman looks up and says, Captain, there's something weird. Well, let us see what's weird. Uh, put it up on screen. On the view screen, I mean, it's, it's, it's a star. The view screen centers on a different star than it was looking at before. Anything visually notable about the star in the immediate? Nope. Is it sinking? I wouldn't particularly call that odd myself. What caught your attention? It's not on our charts. Ooh! Kai moves back over to the science station. I think passing Kai, uh, Verity will just say, 27 gigaclots, and walk over to her. <laughs> <laughs> walk over to her chair again. Well, we don't have the most reliable charts of this area. So let's not get too excited, but uh, let's take some extra scans, just in case. Captain, with respect, says the helmsman, who's apparently a little bit talkative. <laughs> Look, I don't want to brag, but I was the president of the Old Fashioned Telescopes Club at the Academy, and... Yeah, rub it in. <laughs> <laughs> we may not have detailed scans of anything out here, but the subspace distortions haven't haven't prevented us from getting more basic telescopic information. We, we at least have been able to tell where stars are for, for literally centuries. Then that's even more reason to take a closer look, Ensign. I, I know that, Lieutenant. I apparently want to be disciplined, I guess, because I am very squirrely with my superior officers. Out of all the NPCs that we did name in preparation for this game, however, the helmsman... <laughs> Sorry, sorry, Captain, that's... <clears throat> just wanted to add my two cents. How big of a star are we talking about, Brandon? Like, what kind of star are we looking at here? It appears to be a Class G star. Slightly larger than Sol, but not appreciably larger. Okay. Checking out Endeavor sensors. Can I see any signs of that this thing just, like, appeared? Or something out of nowhere if we weren't able to see it? Or might have been masked in some way by the Maelstrom? I think that will be a role assisted by the ship. Oh, yay. When something assists, and this goes for characters as well as the ship, the assisting thing gets to roll a single die and potentially get successes there as well. Ships have their own set of stats, which are slightly different, but everything still works essentially the same way. So this will be, for the ship, a science plus sensors roll, which is a 13. Okay. So somebody can roll for the ship. And then for you, it will be, I'll say, an insight plus science. Ooh, to consider what possibilities may explain this anomaly. From my end, I'm assuming subspace theory doesn't apply, that it's not a product of our crossing Correct. the maelstrom. So what I think I'm going to do, Brandon, uh, I'm going to spend two of our momentum All right. to use a talent of mine. Every character has four talents that allow them to alter the game in certain little ways. Uh, the one I'm invoking here is Walking Encyclopedia, where I can spend two momentum once per session to declare a temporary focus, in this case, astrophysics, I think would apply under these circumstances. Seems good. And Brandon, I'm going to give you another threat for a third die. Hooray, I have ten threat now because I start with two per player. Threat is a resource that I can use kind of like momentum, but it's it's evil. 
Okay, uh, some of these things paid off. Let me explain for our listeners, since it's our first time doing these things, what's going on here. So my insight is a nine, my science is a four, so my target number is 13 or less. So I have three d20s again, and I rolled a four, an eight, and a 16. However, because of another talent I have, bold science, if I buy a third d20 using threat as opposed to buying it with momentum, I have the option to re-roll one of my dice. So I'm going to opt to re-roll that 16. Absolutely. Okay, and I got a nine. So that is going to be um, one success for the nine, one for the eight, and now the four actually will get to count for two, assuming that astrophysics focus I just declared functions. It absolutely does. A focus allows you to, uh, normally a one is a crit, it generates two successes. The focus applies your critical range is extended to the amount of your discipline. So since my science is, is a four, I would have critted on a one, two, three, or four. So I'm currently sitting at four successes on my end, Brandon. And this is before the ship is rolled. <laughs> Does anybody want to roll for the ship? It's just a 1d20. Okay, Nicole, I volunteer you. You normally do. Yep. All right, so my target was 13? 13. 19. Okay, so the ship sensors don't add anything appreciable. But fortunately, I, I, I apologize. I didn't say the difficulty beforehand, which I should have, but it was two so, Christine, you had four? I had four. So you've got uh, two extra successes. So you certainly succeed, and you do so with quite a bit of oomph. Further, Endeavor has high-res sensors, which means because you've used the sensors on a successful task, uh, you get a bonus momentum that can be spent as it obtain information. So you're getting two momentum like normal, uh, which could be used to obtain further information, or they could be saved, and then you've got one that can only be used to obtain further information. So let me tell you what you learn for the success. Okay. You do not detect any astrophysical strangeness. Uh, the, the subspace doesn't seem to be abnormally weird or anything like that. The star is showing up with, with more or less what you would kind of expect to see from that type star. But you do see the indication that something is sort of obfuscating the star, probably physically. Not entirely, obviously, because you can see it. There is something between endeavor and this star and of substantial coverage at least not like just a planet interesting 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 so you have some momentum you have one momentum that uh in particular that is good for obtain information which is a uh, type of momentum spin that lets players ask the gm a, a question the gm has to answer truthfully though not necessarily completely from the scans i'm getting am i receiving evidence that this obstruction is natural or is it, or artificial in nature artificial okay so we still have two more momentum so i could ask up to two more questions or i can save it but one thing that's a little bit different in star trek adventures versus a lot of other rpgs is for um tasks such as this uh meta talk is actually encouraged so it doesn't just have to be me deciding what information i'm gathering so I'm going to turn to my crew out of character and ask, uh, what what do you think are some other good questions? What else do we want to know in this instance? So so we know that it's an artificial obstruction at this point. Like, do we want to pinpoint and see if it's a if it's a cloak, some conventional piece of technology we're familiar with, or see the first thing I was thinking of is possibly something like a gravity shadow from like a black hole or something like that, displacing where the star was or our images of it, but. 
perhaps it's something we, artificial. We do know like it's that. artificial. Doesn't mean it's not gravity related. It definitely could be. So we know it's artificial. Uh, I guess this is kind of a generic one, but just to help pinpoint a little bit more, since we've got a couple different theories here. Uh, are, there any, are there any indications as to what might be causing this? Like, is it a conventional cloaking device or something else? You do not detect any indication that it's a um, field or something like that. It, it seems like it's a, a solid obstruction. All right. And I think I'll bank the last momentum. That way I don't completely eat away all of the momentum we were generating. You've got two in the pool now. Well, Captain, uh, we're looking at a Class G star. Nothing too different here, although, no, it's nothing nothing to do with subspace, but it looks like something is, something is physically obstructing the star. Something very big. Uh, I'm seeing some signs of barium particles indicating that this might be artificial in nature, but it's not a conventional cloak. I'm not detecting any tachyons. Okay. So, possibly signs of a civilization out in this area? Let's check that out. Hopefully it's not somebody's backyard fencing. If they want to put up a do not enter sign, it needs to be visible. Well, Ensign Chatty, you heard the captain? Course laid in, sir. (laughs) He's going to get so court-martialed. (laughs) <laughs> first court mashup of being a ding dong <laughs> and after he says like course laid in we see Kai just sort of mouthing at Captain Varel catchphrase catchphrase <laughs> oh and I gotta do it every time oh goodness oh hang on no I'm, I'm letting I'm giving you the opening for the your thing to just be to cycle through them for a while oh okay all right I think of another one. It's like, let's go, or something. I think then, uh, after it course laid in, uh, she just sort of, like, tense, like, she sort of knows this one's a bad one already. All right, let's get the show on the road. (laughs) And definitely doesn't look over at the helmsman at all. (laughs) He doesn't look over at you either. He's very focused on his console. So Commander Mosafar just shakes his head a little bit and just says, (laughs) no, not that one. Endeavor goes back to warp speed, though presumably not operating the tunneler right now. Mysterious Star is not very far away by, you know, stellar measures. In a matter of minutes, the ship drops out of warp again. Closer now, the star fills the view screen in all of its, like, bright, fiery glory. The view screen probably uh, tints some so it doesn't hurt your eyes. And now that you're here, you can see that the star is encircled by a lot of objects. Probably, I'll say scanners are picking up thousands of rectangular structures all detached from each other, but sort of circling at slightly varying speeds. Some of them are relatively small. Some of them are like as big as a continent. But they all look, uh, they all look like to be of a... standard shapes they're not organic or they don't look like debris yeah they don't look like debris you you don't see any that look like they're literally identical but they do look like they are that way on purpose and with the number of them orbiting the star there is definitely angles where you wouldn't be able to visually see much of the star itself especially once you're talking about light years away are these inhibiting our scans at all do these have like 
dampening properties is kind of what I'm looking for. Uh, they don't seem to. I'll go ahead and, and say that scans confirm that the quantity of these objects could simply account for the, the star's light not reaching parts of the Federation in a way that conventional telescopes can pick up. Well, that was one of the easier mysteries of the day. Would you like me to scan for life forms? Yes, please. Kai hits a few buttons. There's definitely people alive down there, Captain. 11.4 billion people, to be exact. What's the largest group of life forms? Uh, I'm reading approximately uh, 378 million life forms on one of those larger continent-sized pieces. Instant Everly's tactical console begins to beep, and multiple lights across the display warn that something is going wrong. Captain, weapons are locking onto the ship. Send out a standard greeting. Hail all frequencies. The communications officer starts to send out standard transmissions on, on all frequencies and you know various languages and so forth. Standard uh, first contact procedure. There's a tense moment on the bridge when it's unclear if they're even receiving those messages, uh, much less going to answer. At tactical, the targeting alerts start to get more insistent as on the view screen a kind of an oblong starship shimmers into visibility as if decloaking or something like that. Shields up. Shields engaged. I think we see the lights around the bridge uh, start to turn a nice golden hue as the ship enters yellow alert. Would this be yellow alert or red alert? Uh, yellow alert is a shields up. Red alert is if we are charging our weapons to strike back. Yeah, so right now we'll be at yellow alert. Reverse course and begin moving away from this area. Uh, reversing course, sir. Endeavor starts to pull back, but just as she does, the uh, ship that is decloaked fires disruptors, which uh, flash across Endeavor's shields, and oh, I think that's probably where we're going to cliffhanger the episode. Thank you for listening to this episode of Endeavor Through the Maelstrom. If you like the show, rate, share, and subscribe through your podcast vendor of choice. You can also find us on Twitter as at EndeavorShow. That's E-N-D-E-A-V-O-U-R-S-H-O-W. And you can find me on Twitter at Blue of the Ken. You can find me online at Twelfth Night. That's 1-2-T-H and Night with a K. You can find Brandon and me discovering the ways of the Force on Heroes of the Hydean Way, a Star Wars actual play podcast at thehydeanway.com or at thehydeanway on Twitter. And if you like Vikings and Norse mythology, check out another one of my shows, a Dungeons and Dragons 5e Midgard podcast, Omens Call, which can be found at Omens Call Pod on Twitter or at omenscall.com. Thanks for listening, y'all. You can find me on all the socials at Leah617. Usually I'm on Twitter, RT and stuff that makes me laugh. Come say hi there. You can also check out mischiefmedia.com for the other nerdy podcasts that I currently produce or uh, host. And you can find me, Brad, on Twitter at MacinEbedy1. That's M-A-C-H-I-N-E-B-E-D-E number one. My Twitter is at CompleteNictory. You can find other projects I'm involved in at completenight.com. That's C-O-M-P-L-E-T-E-K-N-I-G-H-T.
K-N-I-G-H-T dot com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you out there. So, um, cut to theme, then we come back, and we get our title card, which is going to be me reading a title, because we, a title card wouldn't be meaningful for listeners. That's true. It's like, listeners, just, just believe that I'm holding up a title card. It's written in crayon. It's really pretty. <laughs> what is their title? Better not just be Pilot. For first episode. <laughs> oh my god, I dare you to call it pilot. No, no, it's too I And then it's all about the helms he, he, person. He couldn't do it's it. Wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, he Brandon would actually, do that kind of joke. Yeah. That would actually kind of be a callback to a thing that only I, I know about because back when I was a kid, TNG was my first Star Trek because it was on TV all the time and I could easily just watch it. Mm-hmm. But I'd Same. only seen a little bit of TOS. And I wanted to see more and a blockbuster near where I was uh, growing up had most of the series on VHS, like, you you know, one episode at a time, but most of the series. And so I, I convinced my parents to let me start renting them in order. And the one for the cage, you know, the unused pilot had a recording of Gene Roddenberry talking to the camera right at the beginning about how the pilot wasn't used, that it was a lost pilot. <laughs> and and me, I was like maybe eight at the most, was super confused when that episode didn't have any, like it wasn't about a pilot that got lost. I didn't understand. <laughs> I was like, what? where's the lost pilot? Did they find him? <laughs> there are many other people they didn't use, but not the not a pilot. I love that story. That's not what I'm going to reference today, though. Um, okay. So, <laughs> title card.